episode 12 virtually wally we are here on zoom back for episode 12 of the slinging sports podcast how are you feeling today i'm feeling good jake this is a nice little different environment um cooped up in my room at home got my own mic you've got your own mic i enjoy being next to you but at the same time i'm kind of looking forward to having our own space and i've got my monitor up behind the computer and i can see all of my notes i can research that while also looking at you of course and conversing with you i'm, I'm excited i'm excited for this virtual bit for the summer i think it'll be good See, I'm in the I'm in the same boat. Like I love being next to you. I love doing these live right next to each other. But at the same time, like there's nothing beats the comfort of your own home sometimes and doing it from home and just, you know, being able to relax and then, you know, come back and do it, do it online. Just the convenience of it even is fun. Speaking of home, let's jump into one of my favorite segments, highlight of the week. And I'll get us started here. My highlights being home. I came home from college on Tuesday, been home for a couple of days now. The weather has been fabulous here in Vermont, 80 and sunny every day, working on my tan. The pool's getting open next week at my house. Vibes are off the charts right now. I am really enjoying life. I'm happy, looking forward to the summer. I'm here with you talking some sports. Things couldn't be better. How, what's the pool like above ground underground in ground in ground in ground pool it's about uh eight foot eight eight feet deep in the deep end so not quite deep enough for diving you don't want to hurt yourself but plenty deep for some cannonballs and some sweet 360 tricks so well, i can't wait i'm also opening my pool up soon but mine also my highlight of the week also incorporates you know coming home being home but almost immediately after i got home i took a trip straight out to Philly, not even 24 hours after I came back. And, uh, you know, I went to go see what went on out there. I went to go see that game six, uh, at Wells Fargo center, me and me and one of my, uh, best friends actually from home. Uh, we went out, um, had a good, had a good time out there, regardless of what happened. We'll get into that later, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. And, you know, just happy to be home, happy to see, happy to see my hometown friends, stuff like that. Is that the first playoff game you had ever been to? It had not. I actually had gone to a playoff game with him last year. Uh, we went to the game where the Sixers had closed out the Wizards in round one, which was nice. really fun. It was really fun. That's cool. So we make it a point to try and get back at least once every year, um, whether it's playoffs or a regular season game. That's great, so, man. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. But actually, segueing off of that, I'm going to go right into my player of the week and I'm going to do a first me two first actually, because first, this is going to be the first non player that we're really introducing into player of the week, but also similar to your anti drip this is a player or a person. I want to highlight for being so obnoxiously bad that I want to talk about Glenn rivers about <laughs> how atrocious he is and is, and he was this week, not even taking accountability for anything. This man, I don't know how Gerald Morey is keeping him on his staff. I have a whole rant about that later. We will get into that, but this is basically setting the tone. This is a preview into what's to come later on. Well, I want to say one thing about Glenn that I saw on Twitter that I found to be really funny. It was a picture of someone with a Gucci backpack and it was being held together by like one thread about to break. And the caption was Doc Rivers holding onto that 2008 championship ring. Um, 
And that's that's all he's done since he's been. It's all he's got. And I mean, like, you know, all those wins in the playoffs, that's great. That's great. I mean, like, great for him. Like, that's a great accomplishment. Like, I I could never personally do that. I'm not saying I can go out and and be better than Doc Rivers, but to be honest, after that playoffs, I think I could have coached that series better than Doc Rivers. I mean, I'm not even going to say anything. We'll get into Doc Rivers. We'll get, in, we we'll get into it later. It's very overall. frustrating. So, Glenn, you are my first ever negative player of the week. <laughs> um, my player of the week is a positive, also from the NBA world, also from the Northeast, and that's Jason Tatum. Um, things he is doing for the Celtics right now. Won game six last night in Milwaukee. Scored 46 in that game, which I believe was the second most ever by a Celtics player in a game while facing elimination. In the last three games, he's averaging 36, nine, and four. He has done everything for Boston. He's brought them to game seven with Milwaukee at the Garden uh, tomorrow night. I am very excited for that game. It shouldn't be a surprise that your superstar player is doing amazing things, but shout out Jason Tatum. He's my player of the week. Well, something small that I want to talk about, like we'll definitely talk about the Celtics uh, later as well, is that the Celtics, I feel like, aren't even getting enough appreciation for the fact that they were one of the worst teams at the All-Star break. Well, they were just coming off that big uh, that big win streak, but they were yeah. still at the bottom. To that. They were like the middle ground or like even the bottom half of the East, and they really turned it around, and they're the number three three seed right now yeah that is insane we'll we'll get into it we'll get into it we will get into that later but before we before we do that let's start off at the diamond let's start off the mlb this week we had another no hitter actually uh reed detmers had a detmers is a 22 year old kid he's a rookie in mlb terms that was his 11th start in baseball and he had a no-hitter. Absolutely insane. Um, overall, with the Angels, you picked them to finish in first place in the of AL West. Of course I did. I picked Houston. Houston's hanging tight with them. But the Angels, my issue with them was pitching. And I knew they had the offense. They have Mike Trout, Rendon, Otani. I don't know if the pitching would hold up. But 30-plus games into the season, pitching to a tune of a 3.27 ERA, which is the fifth best in baseball. Pitching well, has been that, outstanding. We- we were talking about our MLB predictions and I go, we, we look up the rotation because I was saying how Syndergaard would be the third guy. And yeah. we looked it up and I said, actually, I don't think I know as many people on this rotation as I thought. Yeah. But and you knew no one. I mean, just these guys are showing out there. That, I mean, what'd you say? It was three, a 3.2 ERA right now. 3.27. Yeah. yeah that's, I mean, that, that'll totally do right now in, in the month of May. Um, Great on great on them. I'm I'm very glad that they're putting it together, especially their pitching. That's. I also want to say, uh, speaking of Noah Syndergaard, I don't know if you saw his comments about the and a little of a backhanded comment towards the Mets. He posted about Detmer's no hitter on his Instagram story, and he said, "This is what a real no hitter looks like," referring to the Mets having a five pitcher combined no hitter. Um, hey, I a mean. Of weeks ago. I'm I'm all I'm all on that. Um, I mean, Syndergaard, I, I love that comment. If you want to ever come on here and, and talk about that, that's great. I was there for that uh, five pitcher no hitter. It was pretty pretty yeah. sad. They needed to bring in five guys. It's sarcasm, just to, obviously. Just a, a, no hit, a no hit, a no hitter is a no hitter. I think it's impressive either way. But um, but 
real quick before we move on from the Angels, did you see the other day that Anthony Rendon hit a lefty home run as well? Yeah, his very first at bat. And then what was so awesome is the next day in the lineup, he was listed as a switch hitter. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, so that's, that's, that's the, that's the content you love to see. That is certainly the content you love to see. We're, we're, we're starting to reach the time in the baseball season where anything goes and managers are just going to let their players have fun and it doesn't matter. And you're going to be up in a game, 10 to nothing down in a game, 10 to nothing. You're just going to have fun. I love that. I love that about baseball. It's what makes it so unique because of all of the games. Like that, that is what makes it exciting is like, you could just go out there, score 10 runs in an inning, go up 10, nothing. And then like, just say, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to have fun the rest of the game. I'm going to do whatever I want. I mean, to an an extent, obviously, you know, you got to make sure that you're still winning the game, but um, you know, it's just, it's just great to see that. But something that I thought was really fun was the Phillies last night, taking on the Dodgers winning in extra innings by scoring 12 runs. It was one of the most offensive power games I've seen honestly in a while, like from both sides, evenly, at least it was 12, 10 final 12, 10 was the final. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was, it was just such a fun game. I think Harper Harper may have had two. I got to look up the stats on this. I think Harper had multiple, a multiple home run game. Schwarber had a home run. Castellanos had a home run. There was, I mean, balls were just flying everywhere. It was great. Like, uh, like I was about to mention, uh, former Philly and former Dodger Chase Utley was in attendance, which is always great to see. Uh, he's actually my favorite Phillies player ever. Um, so that was great. Uh, but I mean, just such a fun did game. Chase Ut- did Chase Utley always have gray hair or is he no. just aged really he poorly just- right after retiring? He aged very well. He he got the gray hair. Just the hair in his in his final season. That's when I finally had okay. noticed it. So yeah, I mean, no disrespect to people with gray hair. The silver fox look is awesome. But when I saw the picture of Chase Utley, I didn't even recognize him because of the hair. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think he I think he looks pretty good with it. I can't lie. I think he rocks it. I think he rocks it. But um, my apologies. Bryce Harper and Schwarber only each went yard once. Uh, but they uh, Philly still won the game. That's all I'm saying. Um, but Bryce Harper just got some news this week is that he tore his – he's a minor tear in his UCL, which is in your elbow. So uh, he is not throwing for at least four more weeks maybe more than that. And throughout these weeks, he's going to get plasma infusions within his arm to try and heal, heal up that UCL. Uh, I'm yeah. The, the plasma thing. That's not good. No. I, I mean, like if, if he can still hit and everything, and if he's hitting well, why, why even throw him back in the field at, at all? That's, like, that's the thing. No rush is for it. We're the Phillies are expecting Mickey Moniak to make his return very soon. It's supposed to be within the next two to three weeks. Um, He had looked great in spring training. So they're hoping to get him back, throw him in the outfield, have some more defensive guys to throw out there. Yeah. And I mean, it'll it'll really just help your team at that point. Like I said, this, this DH, this universal DH has just helped the Phillies so much by being able to keep Bryce in the lineup though. 
it really is it's cool great it's good it's good for baseball um also good for baseball or at least good for me at least is the yankees being the best team in baseball they're 24 and 8 through their first 32 games um the previous i think four times that they started 24 and 8 or better they won the world series every single time wow. got a 100 success rate when 24 and 8 through their first 32 um this is a lightning in a bottle offense on thursday night against the white Sox. Uh, Jonathan Loisaga came into the game, blew a 7-4 lead, served up a three-run home run, 7-7, top of the eighth. Just like that, 14-7. Dropped seven runs in the top of the eighth inning, going to win the game 15-7. And not only is the offense waking up, it's been awake for the entire season, but especially now, um, the pitching has been consistent as ever. these first two games against the White Sox, they've scored 15 and 10. But last weekend against Texas, they won two out of three games in that series, and they scored a total of five runs in those three games, and yet they went two and one in those games. Wow. So they are winning these games two to one. I believe they are 15 and 0 when they score five runs or more in a game. They can beat you in so many different ways, not to mention they've got a huge knack for clutch hits. They, are walk- they have more walk-offs than any team in all of baseball. seems like Every other night, someone's going yard in the bottom of the ninth to win the game. It is so much fun being a Yankee fan. Um, I, I have nothing to say. It's so great. It's so it just great you love to see those small ball lineups too, like those guys that'll just come in and get it done when it's needed, like when they need to get these runs and when they need to get these these hits to beat these teams, whether it's two runs or whether it's seven, like you had said. I mean, they're there and they're they're ready to take on the task. They've been amazing so far they, they finally have some versatility in the lineup as well the yankees have always been known for the power and they also lead baseball in home runs despite playing two less games than the majority of the teams that are also up there in the home run rankings um and they've got judge and stanton the big name guys who will go yard but having these players like dj lemayhew i isaiah kainara falefa um even like catchers Kyle Hogashioka is waking up a bit. Jose Trevino, these people that can make contact, get on base, get a walk, just set the table for your power hitters when you get into the meat of the lineup. Anthony Rizzo has got nine home runs on the season. They are one through nine. All of them are a threat to get on base. All of them are a threat to walk, go yard. It is finally a balanced lineup. And there's some thunder. There's some thunder at my house. Sorry, sorry if that uh, if any of the viewers can hear that at some point. But it is so great. And again, on the pitching side of it, Nestor Cortez. I'm going to talk about Nestor a little bit when we get to the drip of the week. Um, but last week against Texas, uh, he almost had a no hitter in the game. He went had uh, seven and a third um, without giving up a hit. Leads the AL in ERA right now, just as we all expected. Um, nasty nester so great so great being a yankee fan well another team that is most likely i would hope they're enjoying uh what's been going on right now is the padres they're actually tied with the dodgers right now in the nl west and i mean there's nothing more you could say but that eric hosmer and manny machado are playing fantastic without fernando tatis even being in this lineup the Um, wizard of the Wizard of Haas, Eric yeah. Cosmer, has had a complete, like, 
his career has been revived 100%. He leads baseball in batting average. He's batting 371. Machado is the second best average. He's batting 360 something. It is insane. 365. Hosmer is batting 371 with four home runs, a 434 on base percentage, and almost 1,000 OPS at 977. Yeah. And Machado's hitting 365 with seven home runs, 445 on base percentage, and over 1,000 OPS right now. Absolutely insane. And the pitching is holding up just enough. They've got a plus 13 run differential despite being nine games above 500. These pod, this Padre team is pesky. They're not going to blow you out because I was looking at some of the, uh, the Dodgers games who are tied for first in the NL West with them. The Dodgers kill you. They beat you nine to two. They beat you seven to nothing. These Padres squeak it out. They do just enough to get by and come October and postseason time, that is not the type of team you want to be playing in the postseason, an experienced one in close games, knowing how to win those. Um, yeah, it's good. Those those scrappy teams are always the toughest to beat, and they're always mm-hmm. the most annoying to have to go against. Like, there's just no other way to put it except for that. Like, it really, I don't know, it's just so frustrating to have to go against teams like that and honestly i just i i hate that i hate i'd hate if i'm if any any one of my teams matched up with the padres right now even um so they've got a bright future especially with tetis coming back yeah uh but someone that or a team that may be looking at a bit of a bit of worry yet again is the braves uh ronald acuna missed the past three games and is now going to get an MRI on, I think it's his, is it his left leg or his right leg? Um, they're going to check his, his groin again. Yeah. Um, this is tough for, for the Braves, and this is tough for Acuna. You never want to see that. In particular, Acuna, he's coming off of a torn ACL, and he couldn't even play for his team when they won the World Series last year. He's a young, talented star, and... How, how long has he even playing since he came back from the torn ACL? I don't think he was playing. It hasn't, been a, it hasn't been a full month yet. Yeah, no, exactly. Three and to, and to deal with this, it's terrible. Injuries derailing a young player's career is the worst thing that can happen. It's tough. Yeah. And especially for a guy like Acuna, I mean, he's such a talent when he's out there. He is so electric to watch and so fun to watch too. It's just, it's, it's frustrating and, you know, you never you never want to see that happen, especially with a young player like Cunha, who has such a bright future ahead of him in that Braves organization. Which is tough for me to say as as a Phillies uh, fan. As a Phillies fan, yeah, division rival. You gotta respect to you. You gotta, you gotta give respect, respect is due. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now transitioning. Yeah, you got it. You got it. the first ever time on the podcast. Uh, I texted Wally last week uh, while he was back at Vermont. He he went back a little early, had to bring some stuff back. So he wasn't, he wasn't with me while I was watching these games, but I told him, you know, these, these NHL playoffs, they're fun to watch. They're cool, um, man. I'd never, I'd never really gotten into hockey, you know, been up and down with it. So now we're finally going to be covering the NHL on the Slinging Sports Podcast. This is confirmed. This will continue going forward. Um, so 
right now, of course, right at the end of the season, Stanley Cup playoffs. What a better way to start off covering it, right? Yeah. Um, so, Wally, I will let – well, I won't let you take it, take the floor yet because we're going to wait until later to, to talk about your team. But let's talk about the, the most recent, the biggest news, is that the Panthers have advanced to the second round beating the Washington Capitals. Yeah, the Panthers won the President's Trophy. They had the most points in hockey. They're the best team in the regular season. And I was fully expecting them to plow through Washington five games at most, if not a sweep. Um, the Colorado Avalanche uh, recorded the only sweep in the first round of this year's playoffs. I was expecting the Panthers to do the same thing. Um, but they got it done in six against Washington. Um, they're tough. They're a tough team. They're talented. They've got it all, goaltending, forwards, defense. They do everything well. Um, my only issue is the lack of experience because the Panthers are not known as a very successful, prominent team in the playoffs. But they got through the first round. That's a W, and that's a tough Washington team. That's an experienced Washington team with Ovechkin, Oshie, all of them. Well, something that's going to be difficult for the Panthers is who they're going to have to face up against next between the Maple Leafs and the Lightning. That game... Uh, the puck drops at seven tonight or seven 30, I believe or seven, I think um, either way, those, both of those teams, I mean, have plenty of experience, the lightning going back to back about to go back to back to back. <laughs> um, Do, would you like to, would you like to explain to the viewers yeah, why so you are suddenly would, a Tampa Bay lightning fan? So, um, very ironically, uh, somehow I, I came across this Tampa Bay lightning team. No, um, in all in all complete honesty, um, when the Lightning won their first championship, I was never a hockey fan. I never cons- I never claimed that I was a hockey fan, but I am a fan of one artist, and his name is Young Gravy. Now this man, Mister Clean, you know he's just he's got some. I'll say it's a certain type of music for for uh, a particular audience. Um, and I guess they used to play his songs in the locker room before and after every game to get hyped up for the game. So when they won their first championship, they put gravy train on their championship rings. It is on their championship ring. It says gravy train. So ever since then, I have been like a conditional lightning fan just because I appreciated that. And ironically, the Syracuse crunch the local minor league hockey team are AHL. the minor league hockey team for the Tampa Bay lightning. They are affiliated with the Tampa Bay lightning. So there's two reasons why I should be two a whole reasons. Why two I reasons. To be a bandwagon lightning fan. <laughs> two reasons. All right. But, but all right, I'll admit whatever. You can call me a bandwagon now because they won back to back, but this is me claiming my affiliation and it will never go away. I'm claiming this now. You, you, you chose a good time to claim it um in particular you chose a good time to claim it because they're playing toronto toronto has not made it out of the first round of the nhl playoffs since 2004 i was gonna say it's, it's been a while i've done some research they've got that that game seven tonight and since 2018 they have had nine opportunities to clinch a game clinch a series and advance to the second round and they are zero and nine in all of those games and it's insane because Austin Matthews, who's the best forward and one of the best forwards in hockey, he's the Hart Trophy favorite, which is the NHL MVP. He 
he had 60 goals this season, consistently gets Toronto there to the postseason every time, and then that's it. Sometimes it's seven games, sometimes it's five. It's it it just isn't happening for Toronto. At this point, it's a meme. And as much as I, I hate Tampa Bay, I'm a Ranger fan. I hate Tampa Bay over the years for postseason clashes, Eastern Conference Finals, uh series and series and everything but i'm picking tampa bay no like toronto fix yourself especially like these past two games i felt tampa bay even had the momentum going into that final period totally the game six went into overtime yeah and that uh the game game five uh toronto just like Got they got like a, a goal maybe I think with five minutes left Matthews Matthews had scored and from then on it was just like Tampa Bay couldn't really do anything because Toronto had was just doing everything except for trying to give up one more goal to send it to overtime because then the Lightning would have had yet again the momentum so I think Tampa Bay is the better team here um, overall. Uh, as, as great as Matthews is, I just, like you said, Toronto's track record, I don't think they're going to make it out of this first round. I also, a fellow Canadian team that is playing in a game seven um, is the Edmonton Oilers. And Edmonton, it's got two guys. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with NHL players and everything, but Connor McDavid, I'm Leon Dreisaitl. <laughs> Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl are two, two of the six best forwards in all of the NHL. Um, both of them, I'm pretty sure, have won a Hart Trophy in the last three, four years. They're consistently finalists for the Hart Trophy. Um, Edmonton always makes the postseason since the two of them have reached their star status, and yet they do nothing when they get there. I'm pretty sure they, they might have won a series last year, but they don't break through. They're yet to break through with the two of them. And all I wonder, Edmonton as an organization – how do you have two of the most talented players in the entire world and you can't break through with them? Um, for that, I – and, like, they, they're playing the Kings. They're playing the Kings in uh, their seven-game series, game seven tonight. The Kings are not the most talented team I at all. The Kings were very much an outlier when looking at this this playoff pool. They, like – with, with two to three know. games left, they were borderline. Them and the Golden Knights from Vegas, they were fighting for that last wild card or one of the last wild card spots. They were right in there. Um, they squeaked in, and now they're going to seven games with Edmonton, one of the most talented teams in all of hockey. So I don't, I don't know what's going on with those, uh, those northern teams, those Canadian teams. They need to get it together when it comes to the postseason. Isn't Canada stereotypically supposed to be great at hockey? What the heck is going on? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, um, no, but I want to. So right now, the Bruins are taking on the Canes in Canes, their yeah. in their match as we are recording. So we I don't really know if we should talk on that, but I would love to hear your thoughts on your Rangers' chances tomorrow in Game Seven. I will say, well, first and foremost, they're winning. They're winning Game Seven. That's I don't have any. I'll loop back to that, but. I go back to game one of this series against Pittsburgh and Capo Caco. I, I spoke about this with the referees. Yes, yes. I spoke about it last week. Capo Capo got hosed. Filipito should have had a goal. 
referees hose them. They go on to lose in triple overtime. And that just completely derails Igor Shosturkin, who's going to win the Vizina Trophy. He's also a finalist for the Hart Trophy, which is very impressive as a goalie. Um, completely derailed Igor. They won game two. They got smacked in game three, smacked in game four. Seven to two, I think, was the final of game four. Um, but these last two games, they've gotten it under control. They've had terrible first periods. The defense isn't awake in the first period. They've gone down two to nothing in both of these games. Then they come right back and they do it fast. They scored two goals in a minute 16 last night when they, they ripped off three goals in game five and uh, a little bit over three minutes, I believe. They do it so fast. The offense is firepower. Game five was all about the kids line with Filipito, Capococco, and Alexi Lafreniere. Last night, it was the veterans, the superstars, Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider putting the team on their back. Kreider uh, putting in the goal with less than three minutes left in the game to give them the, a 4-3 lead, um, tapped in the empty, empty netter at the end to make it 5-3. They, they're getting it together, finally. Igor is catching up to himself. He's settling in. He's waking up from that first game where he was so tired and rightfully so having to play two entire games pretty much in, in one game. Um, Throw in Artemi Panarin. If he wakes up, he's been pretty quiet this postseason. He gets going in game seven. I am so confident in this team. They're beating Pittsburgh tomorrow night. I can't wait for it. Another three to one victory, uh, three one overcoming series. And they, they love doing this. They did in 2014 when they went to the Stanley Cup. They did it against Pittsburgh. They did it in 2015 against Washington. This is who the Rangers are. They're getting back to what they were in the early 2010s. It is beautiful to watch. I'm looking, I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to next round, whoever it ends up being Boston or Carolina. I'm looking forward to it. You know, especially like you said, these past two games, they've woken up even after those sloppy first periods, but this game is going back to New York, man. New York has Throw that been, in dude. Yeah, Playoff hockey at the garden. Yeah, right. The garden. It's probably their most successful team as of late. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's not really, there's not really much more you could say. I think that that atmosphere is just crazy. Awesome. I don't see any way that the Rangers lose this game tomorrow. Boom, the baby, question boom. I do have for you is who would you rather see in the next round, the Canes or the Bruins? Boston, um, which is, which is kind of odd because I, I'm obviously the Bruins are notoriously successful in the postseason. They've dominated for pretty much my entire life, but Carolina, Carolina scares me and the Rangers, my, my fear was introduced to them um, in the 2020, the Rangers played Carolina in the playoff post uh, play in series um, in 2020. They, they played best out of three and they got swamped. They got wrecked, uh, lost two games, two to nothing. And that was that quick in quick out. Um, and since then Carolina has been one of the best teams in all of hockey um, with Aho, uh, Nina Ryder, they, uh, Anderson and Nett, they, they are good. They've got talent. I'm pretty sure they won three out of four against the Rangers this year. I do not want to play them in a seven-game series. In particular, I don't want to go to Carolina. If the Rangers win and Boston wins, Rangers get home ice advantage for another round. I do not want to deal with traveling to Carolina for four out of seven of those games. Um, 100% Bruins, despite rivalries past postseason success give me the Bruins 
Well, we will have an exciting second round on our hands as we come back and rejoin talking about this next week. Uh, but with that being said, let's get into the best segment. Would you like to announce this, Wally? The best segment. Drip of the week. I'm going to get us started. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start today. All right. Um, all right. Let's go. I, I mentioned Nestor a little earlier on. Nestor Cortez. Nasty Nestor. Looking forward to the Nestor bump day tomorrow. Always makes me happy to wake up and say, oh, yeah, Nestor bump day. Let's get it. Um, there were some fans at a Yankee game earlier this week. Some young fans who are, I'll put it up to the screen, who are rocking the Nestor stashes that is in the stands. There's three That's of them. Amazing. Probably, probably in middle school, Yankee hats. One of them's eating popcorn. I love it. Nestor has taken over the city of New York. Um, I love Nestor Cortez. Last year, he had his pet turtle, Bronxy, who was brought into the uh, locker room and everything. Bronxy was donated to a school, I believe, in the Bronx as a class pet. Nestor is awesome on and off the field. Respect the stash. Dude, can, we, can we get an update on where Bronxy is now? Like, can we get can we get that next week? On can we have a full segment on where he is? Yeah, I got you. I got you. All I got right. the Bronxy deeds for you. Perfect, perfect. Well, my drip. You know, you know my boy Pat Bev. <laughs> oh, he's already on his he's on his break. He's on his vacation. He's been on ESPN recently, actually. Actually, which, to which I told you I'd love to broadcast yeah. sometime. So, Pepev, come on the pod. But uh, Pepev posted a picture on Instagram four days ago, wearing just a drippy, drippy outfit. I don't even know how to describe this to you. It's just so multicolored, just everything. Wow beautiful oceans of Cancun probably I don't know exactly where he is but you know he's in the off season so probably just enjoying his time but what, what do people call those rompers isn't isn't it's, that the term for the matching shirt and shorts it, it is but like a romper is well isn't it supposed to be like conjoined like that's a shirt is it one piece shorts like it's not one uh, piece it's it's just a shirt and shorts I dig the color I love you, it. Have you used Pat Bev for Drip of the Week? I'm pretty sure you I have, have right? Wait. Yeah. I, yeah, actually, have. I might have. I might have. You did. Might you be did. Him and, him and James Harden have have uh, probably the most uh, Drip of the Week appearances so far. <laughs> I think I've done two, <laughs> two of each. I love it, man. Um, Drippy Pat Bev. What shirt are you wearing right now? I was going to say, I am wearing the Pat <laughs> Bev shirt. You, you saw. I heart I Pat, Pat Bev. I heart <laughs> Pat Bev. Um, love it, dude. My boy. My boy. But... I mentioned James Harden. It's time to get into the NBA, and we're going to start this off hot. I know you've been dying to hear what I've got to say. Yeah, I'm keeping keeping my lips sealed. I'm just going to let you go off. Um, so this past Thursday, the Sixers fell to the Miami Heat, 99 to 90, and the series was ended, as was the Sixers' season. Now, I had said last week that I thought this series was over anyway because Embiid was not there. My feelings had changed a little bit once those two Embiid games had gone by because when we had recorded, um, he was reported out and then came back the next day miraculously. Nobody knew that that was going to happen. But he looked like he was showing a change on the court for everyone around him. I mean, the man plays through absolutely everything. Like He would play on one leg if he could. That's like, there's nothing against Joel Embiid in any of this. He is 
he has the most heart of anyone on this Philadelphia 76ers team, besides probably Tyrese Maxey, who's only a 20-year-old kid and striving, trying his best to just do everything for this team. He was so emotional after this loss. Like, I was shocked because he's so young and already expecting so much out of himself and out of this team. Like, I just have to give him props. But there are three specific people I have to talk about. Let's start off with James Harden, because I feel like I feel like James Harden is getting too much slander, to be completely honest. Mm. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that James Harden was great or even good by any means, especially not in this past game, considering he took two shot attempts in the second half. The same amount of shot attempts that Ben Ben Simmons had in his elimination game last season against the Hawks. Now, James Harden is not the offensive player that he was. He's not. He's not the same player he was in Houston. He doesn't need to drop 35 points every game, considering he has Joel Embiid as his big man behind him. He's on a team where it has enough star power to score. He just has to facilitate. But... When you also have the opportunities to shoot, you need to take them. The problem with Harden is that he's turned so passive, it just doesn't make any sense. Because you look back at that game, what was it, game four? When he went on that 16-point run, he had 16 in the fourth quarter and looked amazing and then just did nothing the next two games. It was a complete flip. He didn't, he didn't do much. He probably had more turnovers than shot attempts in the second half last game. (laughs) It was bad. It was just really bad. But see with James Harden, the reason I'm saying, I think he's getting too much hate is I feel that I feel that people are expecting him to be that 30 point per game, James Harden that we saw in Houston. Yeah, I know I am. And it's just, when he's getting paid that much, yeah, you are expecting that. But it, it's it's not the player that he is anymore. And I think people need to realize that and realize that he does have other valuable skill sets still as a great player. But I we like you need him to actually go out there and try and shoot the ball and try and get these points when they are needed. That's the issue that ever that I'm having with him is that he is not shooting the ball nearly enough. He's not trying nearly enough. He's not, he's not, not talented enough. It's that he's been too passive and that blame falls. I feel on someone else that we've already talked about. Who's that? I'll get to him last. I will get to him last because there's another person that sits on the court and does not put up nearly enough for $30 million a year. And that's Tobias Harris. Yeah. He's expecting that. The Sixers signed Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler (laughs) and thought that that was the smart decision at the time, which maybe at the time it looked very well, considering Tobias had just come off his best season yet, and we were planning on signing Doc Rivers, who, not to mention, he had his best season under his Doc Rivers. Makes sense. Theory. Makes makes sense in theory, right? But Tobias Harris is not nearly the player that Jimmy Butler is. When you're getting paid $30 million a year, would you not think that you would probably be considered a top three scoring option on your team? 
He's considered the much. he's considered the four and arguably the five in my eyes. This in this series, because of Danny Green actually making shots this series, which he tore his ACL in that game. I I'm hoping the best for him because he tore it in like the first three minutes of the game and just went down on the floor in pain. I'm hoping the best for Danny Green. But your scores in order would go Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, then arguably either Danny Green or Tobias Harris. But if you're getting paid $30 million, you shouldn't have you to be should, argued yeah. to be your fourth option on offense in the starting lineup. That's crazy. You have Maxi at two, though, above Harden. I don't want to brush over that. I know, like right now, it makes right, sense, but on right now, paper, yes. right now, the yes. fact that Harden isn't even the two. two oh yeah, completely. Four. But I'm just, Crazy. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that that should be the way that it is, because like I said, Harden used to shoot more. But I'm saying that that's the way that I would look at it. Is that Maxi was definitely the second scoring option on that team because Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris just does not do nearly enough. He can't finish at the rim. He, I don't, I don't, I don't know what he does. I don't know what he does in practice because this man, I think I saw him miss six wide open layups when we were at, when I was at Wells Fargo center, you sign this man to a max contract for five years over Jimmy Butler and think that that's going to be okay. And then he does absolutely nothing. Does the same thing in the playoffs. The most inconsistent player ever. Look at Jimmy Butler, too. He's doing yeah. pretty well down well, in Miami. You know what Jimmy Butler said after the game? He was in the what? tunnel and said, Tobias Harris, as in they signed, they chose him over me. Yeah. I'm thinking the same thing. I don't know how the Sixers <laughs> let him go because he found out he was playing Philly, and he woke up. He woke Big up. Time. After 30-piece. He dropped a 45-piece at one point. Yeah. I don't know what the Sixers are thinking. And I don't know what Daryl Morey is thinking, keeping Doc Rivers on this staff because he is final point. (laughs) He is just, Oh my God, unbelievably bad. The man doesn't put any power in his players. There's been multiple videos and pictures taken during timeouts when they're down 10 or they're down 13. He sits there and doesn't drop anything for them. Doesn't say anything to the players. They, the players all sit there and converse with themselves because Doc Rivers doesn't do anything. Mm. Doc Rivers, now, I don't like to go for people's jobs. And I don't like to tell people that this person should be out of a job. But it gets to a point that. where you get very frustrated that the same thing is happening year in and year out, especially when the person isn't taking accountability. Because for some reason, Doc Rivers thinks that the Sixers weren't even a contender until he came in there. Not to mention, they almost went to the Eastern Conference Finals without him. I like, I don't understand what what the thought process is in Doc Rivers' head. He he doesn't like he just doesn't put anything together. He doesn't put any pressure on James Harden to shoot. He doesn't. He is never once there. No one ever makes it seem like. He's he said something to James Harden about his shooting, and I know he hasn't because of the fact in a press conference he said, "I'm fine with James taking shots when he wants to." And it, that, that even loops back to James. Why isn't James willing to take some shots? What, what, what has happened to because, James because Harden? It's, it's not it's not a one way street because even if Doc said something, it's not like Doc could force him to take the shots if he didn't want to. But I'm just saying, 
like as a coach, you would want to encourage your players to do well. Like, I don't know if Doc Rivers is sitting here like, I have all these playoff wins. I'm here on all these record books. Like, I'm a great coach. I know I'm a great coach. And, like, whatever I, whatever I do, as long as I'm in the building, I'm going to look like it. I don't know. I really don't know. And I honestly, I am so happy for this offseason because I think there's going to be huge shakeups within the team. Huge. And they're wow. crucial. They are. They need to stop wasting Embiid's prime. They do. They need to stop, because this man plays through absolutely everything, just so he can get out on the floor for his team, for his city, and try to perform, risking even more injury. He he's literally the savior of Philadelphia, and if we waste that and don't even get him a ring, then I don't know what more I could say. I want to leave you with one thing on Philly and then we're going to move on to the rest of the NBA. Yeah, um, we, can, we can move on. I, I don't know if you saw this, but the Sacramento Kings have made a conference final more recently than the 76ers. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's pretty bad. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. That's all. Just want to say that. I also would like to chime in and say the Philadelphia, Philadelphia 76ers have way too much talent to be losing in the second round. and Year, year in and year out losing. As, as you... As you ripped into Doc Rivers, I'm, I, I concur with you as a non-biased someone, as an outsider. It doesn't make sense to have all that talent and to it do not. nothing with it. It does not. Moving on. Moving on from the, the shambles known as the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, Golden State wrapped up uh, their series against the Grizzlies after Ja was knocked out of the postseason with a bone bruise. Um, Clay woke up in the game, won by what fifteen points. It was double digits. Yeah, it was double um, digits. They Golden State looked good. They look like their their old selves. They they finally put it together. I, I that game before where they were down fifty five in the yeah. third quarter. I was like, I'm worried for them to even go back to Golden State and try and close this out at this point. That that fifty five thing. Um, that was the biggest for for uh, Memphis. That was the biggest lead a team had ever held while facing elimination in NBA wow. playoff history. Wow. No team had ever been up by that much. Well, and they got to they got to uh, Chase, Chase Bank Arena. And <laughs> it was, ins- it was insane to me too because it felt like those two games where Jod didn't play, the Grizzlies looked ten times better than they had. Yeah, they looked a lot more fluid. They look complete. It was like, weird, but it made sense because, I mean, I think we've mentioned this stat on here before that the Grizzlies were twenty three and yeah, two. John Morant did not John. play this season. Mm-hmm. It only lost two games. How many of those games were they up by fifty five uh, in them? <laughs> honestly, I can't lie. You know my thoughts on John. I'm worried for him in the future. Not, not. I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying he's not talented. I think he's very talented. I think he's got all the talent in the world. I'm worried for him. Because the way he plays, injuries may take a toll on his career. And we're already sort of seeing it right now. Whether we know that this is major or minor, I I don't know. It's sort of a similar situation to D. Rose that everyone is saying with Ja. Let's not... Let's just not say that. Let's let's not even let's not even talk about Ja and the injuries. I love Ja. I don't want him. 
But I never, I never, I never bone, want to see. I never want to see bone, any, bone I, bruise. Bone bruise is bad. People underestimate what a bone yeah, bruise is. Yeah, it's very bad. It oh, rips. Through, I wouldn't say very bad, but it is bad. It rips through your knee, and it prevents you from healing. It, more than anything, it prevents you from healing because you can't exercise it. It sets you back big time. Yeah. Um, you're just in constant pain. No, no talking about jaw being like, injured we for all we of eternity. We won't keep. We won't keep getting into that because it's uh it's a it's a touchy subject. You never want to jinx injuries on on a player. But I'm just saying, I'm hoping he heals fine over the off season and that this Grizzlies ready to go game one. Yeah, and these Grizzlies yeah. team, this Grizzlies team finds their way back to that second seed because they were they were a very exciting team this year. They're fun. Um. But two game sevens, Milwaukee, Boston, Phoenix, Dallas. Who's in trouble? Tell me one. No one. In trouble? No one. No one. My finals prediction, I'm pretty sure it was yours as well. Phoenix versus Milwaukee. Yeah, it was a, it was Phoenix, a rematch. With Phoenix winning. I'm not concerned. Phoenix is winning tonight. Milwaukee's winning tomorrow. I'm not stressing. I, I, think they bo- I think they both play tomorrow. Oh, Phoenix plays tomorrow too? They both play tomorrow. They're, oh, they're doing, oh. They're, doing a, they're doing a game seven doubleheader. Either way. But yeah, they're both I think, winning. I'm not worried. I think if I were to say there was a, te- a team in trouble, I would say Milwaukee's more in trouble than Phoenix just because um, Milwaukee is without Chris Middleton, although they've already managed to make it this far and everything like that. But I mean, I just think that uh, Phoenix, CP3, Devin Booker, they're putting it together. Aiden will come out and. It's not Luca's time yet. Luca's Luca's fantastic, and he's basically carrying a team of, I wouldn't say nobodies, but like role players. Hey man, don't disrespect Jalen Bronson. <laughs> no, he's been <laughs> playing great. That's what I'm saying. Is like, but but Luca has been like this whole team. He's doing more, doing he's more with less, one hundred percent than anyone else on that team. And you know, I just I think once he gets another piece that could help him, then the Mavericks will find their way back. But you know, I, I just don't think it's right now. You might be a little more well-versed in this than I am, but there's a lot of Luca versus D-Book hatred between the two of them. They've got some beef. Is that, a, is that a new thing for this series, or has that existed in the past? So it is new, this series. It kind of started, I think it was after Game 3. or it was Yeah, I think it was Game 3 it started. Um, it kind of started out of nowhere. Like, I, I didn't really fully get where the feud came from, but... I mean, it's entertaining as hell to watch, so I'm kind of fine. I'm fine with it, you know. Also, did you? I don't know if you saw this video, but there's a fan or a fan. Was the fan slide. showing Devin Booker the picture? Uh yeah. Um, or when D Book D Book goes up for a shot and he gets fouled and he goes to the ground and he's got his face, uh, his head down, his hands on his head in pain and everything, and his head uh, perks up and he's got a little smile on his yeah. face, a little yeah. grin. The camera catches him and he goes right back down. He's like, I, I'm, I'm injured. I promise. I promise I'm injured. It's so funny, dude. I um, love Devin Booker, man. You know I love Devin Booker. He's another He's another guy I'd have on my my NBA team. <laughs> we should do, ooh, we should do a dream current NBA team. Yeah. One, one. After, after uh, in the after off the year. This summer. Yeah, yeah, after the year. Cool. I like that. I like that. Um, But getting into some young talent, I'm going to start off this NFL segment with a new segment. I see. Yeah, with a new segment. You and go. you actually came up with this segment, Wally. You, you couldn't explain it yourself. 
because I know you're you're very excited. I'm very excited about this, but I know you're excited about this. This is the newest segment on the Slinging Sports Podcast, but we'll be doing it for the entirety of the NFL offseason beginning now up until really week one of the regular season, at least week one of the preseason. And it is called Bust or Trust. We will be discussing young NFL quarterbacks, particularly ones that are still on their rookie contracts, and we will decide or we will give our opinions if we feel they are a bust or a team should trust them and give them a second contract and stick with them. This first week, we're going to begin with a player who went a little viral for the wrong reasons this past week, Tua Tungavailoa. There was a video posted on the Dolphins' Twitter page where Tua throws downfield to Tyreek Hill, and the ball's underthrown a bit, more than a little bit. Tyreek completely has to pick up his his speed, come back, catch the ball, and start running again. Tua Tungavailoa, I ask you, Jake, you can go first, bust or trust? Now, I don't think many people are going to agree with this, but I say trust. Woo! Uh, I like, I actually like Tua a lot. Um, you know, it's diff- I feel like it, it is very difficult to be a lefty quarterback in this league, which is kind of weird to say, but it is, it is difficult. Uh, the ball has a different spin on it for the receivers. It's, it's weird. Um, his arm talent, like you had said, he went a little viral for that, uh, for that underthrown ball, but I think he's got a, I think he's got a decent to good arm. Um, you know, he showed it at Alabama when he was playing. And even I want to talk about last year, you know, they had that seven game slide in the middle of the year, but then completely turned it around and still almost made the playoffs and had those seven games where they were playing great. And with receivers like Waddle, like Tyreek Hill and Waddle actually having the most receptions ever by a rookie, by the way. Um, you know, I think that he is a guy, he's going to be manageable for them. And I think that he'll be the guy that that's there for maybe one more contract. I don't know how long it'll end up panning out, but I think for now, I don't think there's enough evidence to say he's somewhat a bust or that they should move on from him. I'm going to take the exact opposite approach. I'm going to say bust and I'm going to say bust for a couple of reasons. And first and foremost, I'd like to say, coming out of college, Miami should have taken Justin Herbert. Oh, we don't talk about that completely. enough. Completely, yeah, I completely agree with that. When it comes to quarterbacks being drafted and teams picking the wrong one, everyone likes to point fingers at the Bears for whiffing on Mahomes and Watson and said taking Trubisky. Um, Cleveland taking Mayfield over Josh Allen, all of that. Miami, you got it wrong. You had Herbert right there, and you took Tua. Um, I'm going to present a couple of things about Tua. First and foremost, that video, Tyreek Hill, overrated. I don't really care about it. He underthrew him, sure. Whoop-de-doo, it's practice. That's why you practice. However, there is weak arm strength. Tua cannot push the ball downfield very well. He can't throw it on a rope 50 yards in the air. And in today's NFL, that's a huge thing, being able to go over the top, having receivers that can run short routes, intermediate and deep you got to be able to utilize all three levels of the field. Tua tries it, and he can get the ball there, but most of the time it's underthrown. Gives a safety time. Gives a cornerback time to catch up. There's that. There's a lock, a lack of velocity on quick passes. He's accurate. He can get the ball where it needs to go in those short intermediate passes, but it takes some time. He does not have much zip on the ball. 
um, I personally was making a YouTube video for my YouTube channel, Highlight Locker. Feel free to check it out. <laughs> 387 subscribers going strong. I was making a video on Tua. I was looking for wow plays, essentially. Some dominant plays where you watch the video. You say, wow, that was a good play. And I've done this with a bunch of quarterbacks who we will eventually get into, like Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, people who are borderline starter, franchise quarterback up in the air. It's doing this with Tua. And watching these Tua highlights, or 20 plus minutes of Tua Tungabailoa highlights, I could barely scrape together 10 wow plays. And a lot of them are just simple plays. These Tua, quote, highlights are getting the ball where it needs to go. He's a good game, game manager, doesn't turn the ball over, gets the job done, does enough to win games, will do enough to get your team to 9-10 wins into the playoffs, but doesn't jump off of the page. Um, and one more thing that I run while watching Tua in these highlights, um, he struggles to get throws off when the play breaks down. When he has to scramble out of the pocket and throw, it's problematic. When he scrambles out of the pocket and runs, it's great. Miami didn't really, uh, Brian Flores and that regime didn't really use Tua as a runner that much. But the guy can run. He can make people miss. He will truck over you. He is great in the open field. But rolling out of the pocket, hands in your face, he struggles to get the ball up and out. That's problematic for him. Um, and going back to these wow throws and making these plays that really jump off the page, in today's NFL, you want that guy. You want to have a player that can be the face of your franchise. And kids want a Tua Tungavailoa jersey. In my opinion, Tua isn't that guy. He's not that guy now. I don't think he ever will be. He's going to be excellent this season. He's going to be not even excellent. He's going to be solid with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and Mike Kosicki. He's got the pieces and upgraded offensive line. He's going to be fine for all of his future in the NFL. But for the number, he's number five overall. Herbert went number six or four or five, whatever it was. Um, he, he should be better. He should be better for what he is. Um, bust, in my opinion. I like Tua. I liked him at Alabama. I've told you that. I like Bryce Young. I like Jalen Hurts at Alabama. I'm secretly an Alabama quarterback fan. But for me, Tua Tagovailoa, bust, I don't think he gets a second contract with the Dolphins. I think, see, well, if you're talking, like, pick-wise, like, the the place that they took him and to where he'll perform, I think he's he he's considered a bust, yes. But I th I think that he will get that second contract because he will be manageable. Like he'll be he'll be decent for them. I'm also excited for the Mike McDaniel offense, which is yeah. a little bit more run based, and I'm excited to see how he utilizes Tua in that offense. Because see, because like like you said, those running plays, he was great. We and we also saw packages in San Francisco with Trey Lance being involved as a runner, not so much with Jimmy G. I'm excited. I'm excited. Mike McDaniel is going to do great things for Tua, but it'd be right now a very fun team to watch. Right now, for me, bust. Sorry, Tua. All right. All right. Uh, so this week, outside of the Tua Tagovailoa uh, throw Video. going yeah. viral, uh, the NFL released their entire the entirety of the schedule. So every team's schedule is out. The dates times and eh, not times for every game but uh Majority most of the primetime games are already are already booked um yep so wally 
real quick before we get into our favorite three matchups of the year, who was your who had your favorite schedule release that you saw? Chargers. The that's, Chargers that's, video that's anime style is so awesome. You know, um, my drip of the week, I picked the the kids with the Nestor inspired mustache. I was very close to just being rude to you and, and picking, picking drip and of picking the, week the Jaguar as the Jaguar mascot in the bar, uh, recreating the Urban Meyer video. I was, was so very close to picking that. That was hilarious, though. I thought that was funny. I loved that. Like because I just. Even just as a Jaguars fan, I can't believe that uh, that that era happened. That we actually had Urban Meyer as our coach. Like it's kind of just like a blur now. Like I can't believe that that was actually reality. Yeah. Like it's kind of I don't know. It's it's weird. It's very weird. But anyway, moving on. Um, So like we said, the entirety of the NFL schedule is released. So Wally and I are going to break down our three favorite matchups that we're looking forward to watching this year. And Wally, I'll let you take it away because you have. You've actually, yeah, you have a better week one game than I do. So I'll let you take it away. My first matchup uh, that I'm looking forward to this year is the first matchup for the entire 2022-2023 NFL season. Bills versus Rams week one from SoFi Stadium. This is the Super Bowl. This could easily be Super Bowl 57, just like that. And it's the first game. It's the first game of the season. All of the eyes in the world on SoFi Stadium for this game. Mike Tirico, Syracuse alum, Newhouse alum specifically, back in the booth for NBC, doing his thing next to Chris Collinsworth. Um, The entire country will have their eyes on this game, two of the best teams in football. I am so excited for this game, and I'm so glad that this is what the NFL season is opening with. I cannot wait for it. Now, I can't lie. I knew that you were probably going to take that game so I went a little a little biased base here, but there's kind of a good reason. Now I'm choosing Washington and Jacksonville for week one. Wow. Now and now it's a very wow. it's probably a very weird game to think that you're excited to watch for week yeah. one. Yeah. But there are two reasons. Well, maybe three reasons. One, it's the first game ever that the Washington Commanders will be the Washington Commanders. That's true. That's good. Two. The Jaguars are faking, facing Carson Wentz, the same quarterback they kept from from making it to the playoffs. With the Colts. I with see. the Colts. And yep. three, I believe I am going to this game in person. Me and my friend, well, our friend, Colin, a big Washington fan. I believe we're taking the journey down to Washington that week. And we're going to see the week one game. Wally, of course you are invited to come with us. You know, my uh, my sister lives in Washington, D.C. Well, then it looks, like, it looks like we're going. Then. It looks I like think. you're joining us. So, yes. I'll definitely join for that, dude. That'd be fun. We will be seeing the Washington Commanders' first ever game. Um, we will That's be cool. seeing – I will be seeing Trevor Lawrence in person for the first time, which would be fantastic. So, my bias kind of kind of holds up here a little bit. Um, I know most people will not have their eyes on this game, but I'm excited for it. Um, I'm excited because it also kicks off the NFL season for my team. I want to I want to mention one other Week One game that was in consideration for me, and that is Denver Seattle. The NFL wasted no time sending Russell Wilson back to Seattle. It's also pretty cool that it worked out that Seattle and Denver are playing each other this year. You play the AFC division once every four years they happen to be playing each other both this year and that's the Monday night game of week one I'm excited for that just because of the storyline um 
Russ's return, return home. Ironic. Pretty cool. ironic. I think it'll be an absolute blowout, forty to ten. But yeah, cool storyline. Cool, cool storyline going into it. Um, my next, my my next one um, happens in week three, and it is Packers at the Bucks. How many more matchups do we have left of Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady? I thought uh, we already had enough. Not enough. Exactly. And as a Giants fan, I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I hate Tom Brady. I'm very anti both of them. But I have all of the respect in the world for the two of them as players. I enjoy watching them. They play the game so well. They are wizards behind uh, under center. It is beautiful to watch the two of them play. Um, I am very excited for this game, largely because we don't know how many we have left. How many more do we have with these two surefire first ballot unanimous Hall of Famers? There's not many left. Well, you know I love Aaron Rodgers and I hate Tom Brady, so I will absolutely <laughs> eat up that game, especially so early in the season. That's fantastic. Um, but my next matchup is actually from week six. It is Cincinnati traveling down to New Orleans. Uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase will be mm, making the return, return to New That's Orleans. Good. Uh, that'd be a very exciting matchup. Um, I'm sure they'll get a huge homecoming. Uh, I like. There's what more could you say? I just I really really will enjoy seeing that. And speaking of homecomings, there's two. Uh, there's one new saint, one we talked yeah. about last week, and another new saint. That's Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Landry. which is signed another with another, the another Louisiana guy too. Exactly. LSU. So there's a lot of LSU. Tyron Matthew Landry, and now throwing Burrow and Chase. That's gonna be fun, man. You think it's a good thing? I like that. OBJ is gonna. You think OBJ is gonna end up back with Landry? Uh, no, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Not one bit. I don't know where OBJ is gonna end yeah, up. Yeah, I I have no clue either. Um, um, my my third game also involves the Bengals. This is technically two games because they're in the same division. Okay. But Bengals versus Ravens. Two of them play twice, in particular week 18. So last game of the season. I'm going to highlight that one specifically. Week 18 is the last game, last game for each of these teams in the regular season. Playoff implications galore, most likely. Potential wild card slash division. Each of them could be fighting for the division at that time. Joe Burrow is the face of the AFC North right now. Borderline face of a face of a loaded AFC um, yeah. on top of the world, bringing Cincinnati yeah. to the Super Bowl last year. Um, can Lamar Jackson reclaim his throne in the AFC North? Won MVP uh, two seasons ago, and he's dealt with a little bit of injuries over the years. And Lamar is kind of, he's kind of faded away. He's faded away a little bit. And this season is a huge opportunity to come back front and center. And imagine week 18 game gets flexed to Sunday night, Lamar versus Joe um, winner goes to the playoffs or probably both will go one wild card, one division champion, um, huge opportunity for both of those quarterbacks. I can't wait for it. I hope, I hope it pans out. I hope it pans out for both of them this season. Now, I'd love to say that that game would get flexed into, into Sunday night, but I'm sorry because my game is getting flexed into Sunday night, and that's Kansas City against Las Vegas. Yeah, that's a good Because pick. Good those pick. two teams are going to be going at it in the AFC West. Um, I the think whole division is, man. Yeah, the, that whole division, the best division in football. Um, I think if, if Kansas City doesn't, doesn't win the division, in all honesty, I think Vegas is, is the winner. Um, I think those two teams are going to just be going at it in that week 18, like you said, playoff implications, everything. 
Um, Carr against Mahomes is kind of weird to say, like, because I feel like people don't hold Carr to that standard, but not one bit. Carr but is now that Devontae's there, yeah, it's but a different well, story. well, Carr, I think, is underrated to begin with. Um, yep. he's not Patrick Mahomes level, but he is definitely only, only, only like one step lower, I'd say, in, in, the, in the next tier, tier. yeah, um, totally. So I think that that's going to be such a fun game to watch. It's always fun to watch those AFC West games because those teams have just been like insane coming up recently. Um, it's fun. And not to mention Vegas was close to even knocking Cincinnati out last year. Yeah. That game came down to the wire. They drove yeah. down the field too. Yeah. They had a very good chance. And that, that whole officiating thing with the whistle blowing. Oh, yep. Yeah. It was, it was weird. It was weird. So. That'd be fun, man. We've got we've got a treat, truly. The NFL season this, NFL, this year. I, like I'm already counting down until the NFL season starts. I can't wait. They're they are loaded, especially rookie camps are starting up now. Uh, for the Giants, both Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal signed their contracts today. Um, I'm I'm amped up, man. It's gonna yeah, be yeah. The Jaguars just be, started their yeah. rookie camp as well. Today was day two, actually. Um, such such a fun time when the NFL starting up. We're we're gonna have a lot we're gonna have a lot to talk about throughout the summer. There's gonna be a lot of topics, and again, the introduction of Buster Trust. I'm excited about it. uh, This is our very our very first segment ever has not gone away, and that is this or that based off of the NFL schedule. So I'm gonna actually take my question first, if you don't mind, Wally. Yeah, you got it. You got Um, it. So this pertains to international games. It's if you were, if you are in an international game, would you have preferred your bye week to be the following week, or would you have rathered it later in the season? So, to make an example, Jacksonville has their their international game in week eight. They're in Wembley, but their bye week doesn't fall until week eleven. Um, I saw a video. I don't know if you saw this, but the Seahawks played a joke on their players and they printed up a fake schedule where they had them uh go away to they're they're playing in the first ever germany game they didn't get a buy after it and then at uh on the road for thanksgiving on the road for christmas day brutal fake schedule for um seattle and they're complaining about the buy so for me if i have a six hour time difference i want the buy right after it and i i I want the buy right after it, but at the same time, it depends on when the game is because the Giants are traveling to London for week four, I believe, either week four or five against Green Bay, and their buy's in week nine. Um, but if my game is week eight, I want my game in uh, Europe is week eight. I want to play that game. I want the buy the next week. But if it's week four, then I, I'd rather wait. I'd rather wait a little longer. So it has, it has to do with when the week is, but... Nine out of 10 times. I'll take the buy right after. And also, I'd like to point out with the Seattle thing, or I have two, two schedule quirks that I'd like to point out, um, both, both involving the Giants. Um, Seattle complaining, whoever, whoever the player was, I think it was Quandre Diggs, um, was complaining that Seattle wouldn't have a buy right after going to Germany and then away Thanksgiving and away Christmas Day. Funny enough, the New York Giants travel to London don't have a bye afterwards and are away on Thanksgiving at Dallas and are away on Christmas Eve at Minnesota. So these poor Giants players, not only their bodies, they don't get to see their family, man. That's so sad. Wow. It's so sad. 
wow. doing what they're doing to these NFL players. I want to mention that. I want to mention the Washington football or the Commanders. I still gotta still gotta get used to it. I was gonna say, I was the say Washington you get, football. You team. get one. That's your one. Never, never again. Not messing up. The Commanders. They play Week 13 against the Giants at FedEx Field. Then they have a bye in Week 14, which is kind of late for a bye, I think. Yeah. And then in week 15, they travel to MetLife to play the Giants. So they play two straight games against the Giants. I think that's what happened with uh, with the Jaguars last year. They played the Texans. No, actually, it wasn't the Texans. It might have been the Titans. It happens. The Titans had a bye and then, t- and then played the Titans again. It's weird. It's weird the way that that works. And when I looked at the Giants schedule, I thought it was odd. They play Washington, then they play Philadelphia, then they play Washington again. And I look at the commander's schedule, and it's just Giants by Giants. It, like, isn't that unfair or something? They'll have an easy, all that time an, to prep for the Giants? They'll have an easier time to study the film for that second game. Yeah, exactly. Or even, like, you can you can think long-term if you want to. You can be prepping for that first one. You can say, all right, three weeks from now, we'll be ready to go for the second game, too. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I thought know. I thought that was, that was kind of fun. Okay. Also, this is this all ties in quite nicely. My question for you, uh, Mr. Jake Fernerty, if you were an NFL player in this alternate dimension, um, what position would you play, by the way? I want to ask. Ooh, um, I don't know. Like, if I if I actually played, like, say I played in high school, I probably would have been a receiver or something something on on the defensive end, probably like linebacker or something. Cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. How about you? How about you? QB one, one hundred percent. QB one. I was very close actually, senior year to playing JV football and being would, a starting quarterback. I would I love to be it. a quarterback, but I just, I don't know. Like, I want the pressure. Yeah, bring the not, pressure on me. I, I want the pressure. I want the pressure too, but I, I love just like running around the field. So like, if I was a quarterback, I'd have to be like an option QB. That's fair. Um, either way. <laughs> NFL player, you're a wide receiver for the Jags in this alternate dimension. Would you rather play on Thanksgiving Day or in the very first game in Germany? What game? Uh, it's Seattle and uh, Tampa Bay this year are playing the first ever Germany game in Munich. Be a very cool experience. Brand new thing. Or would you rather have the joy of being the star on Thanksgiving Day? Nothing, nothing goes with food and turkey like football on Thanksgiving. So, it's tough because both of those you can't go wrong with either choice. Um, I feel like if if I were to go with Germany, it'd simply be because I know my name is going to be in a record book somewhere saying that I was the first person ever to play in Germany uh, in the in the National Football League. Um, but I don't know. I'm not really about a lot of personal accolades i feel like um if if i wanted my name to be up somewhere i'd prove it myself and i want to play thanksgiving day on the biggest stage ever in the nfl um i i think the thanksgiving day games might be the most watched games in the nfl every year besides maybe the super bowl um yeah they're the most watched regular season games and with yeah. that which which time slot would you take one four definitely, or definitely the four cap? Definitely the four o'clock. Okay. I think the four o'clock one is the perfect one because the the one o'clock one, it like starts and then like you watch the second half, I feel like. You watch like part of the first and then go watch the second half, depending on the team. And then yeah. 
the four o'clock game, it's like right when you're starting to sit down with all your food, like if you're having that early, that early Thanksgiving dinner. So you yeah. have it all and then you have the game on in front of you. And like, I just feel like that's the best. You're watching the game from like four to basically seven. Yeah. I think the four Good. o'clock. Cool answer. I take the, the four o'clock time well. slot on Thanksgiving Day will be the, will be where I'm at. Where you'll be seeing the Giants play Dallas this year. Can't wait. AT and T Stadium. See you there. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Cowboys and Lions every year. <laughs> Poor Detroit man. <laughs> Embarrassed on national television year after year. <laughs> it's all right. It must feel great to be the other team, knowing you're matching up against them on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. <laughs> get some food. Get a win. It's a pretty good deal. You're making me hungry now. I think it's I think it's dinner time. <laughs> yeah, I think it is dinner time. So with that being said, thank you guys for tuning in to episode 12 of the Sling Sports Podcast. Wally, where could they find us? Hit us up at Slinging Sports on Instagram and at Slinging underscore sports on Twitter. We've got some great content coming out for the entirety of this summer. Um, and now that we're virtual, we might expand a little bit as well. Be we easier may, to produce. We might, stuff. like we said, like we kind of hinted at, maybe starting up some some YouTube content. So We'll be, we'll be looking into that, keep you guys updated on that. But thank you for listening. We love all of you guys. We'll catch you in the next episode. Peace. Peace.